Today's scripture reading is from Luke chapter 9, uh, verses 51 through 62. As the time drew near for him to ascend to heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He sent messengers ahead to the Samaritan's village to prepare for his arrival. But the people of the village did not welcome Jesus because he was on his way to Jerusalem. When James and John saw this, they said to Jesus, Lord, should we call down fire from heaven to burn them up? But Jesus turned and rebuked them. So they went on to another village. As they were walking along, someone said to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. But Jesus replied, Foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place even to lay his head. He said to another person, Come, follow me. The man agreed, but he said, Lord, first let me return home and bury my father. But Jesus told him, Let the spiritually dead bury their own dead. Your duty is to go and preach about the kingdom of heaven. Another said, Yes, Lord, I will follow you, but first let me say goodbye to my family. But Jesus told him, Anyone who puts a hand to, to the plow and, and then looks back is not fit for the kingdom of God. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. There's a great song uh, by Jason Isbell called Flying Over Water. And uh, here's a couple of the lines from the song. From the sky, the highway straight as it could be, a stream pulled tight from home to Tennessee, and still somehow those ditches took a better part of me. It's one thing to look at life from our ideal vantage point, or when we're kids and we look out and kind of imagine how it might go, and we look back on life and we realize it was anything but that straight line that looked like it ought to be just stretched straight from home to Tennessee or home to wherever. And we contend with the time that we've spent in the ditches uh, for the rest of our lives. And we work through that. And one of my favorite things about Jesus is that Jesus finds us on the road. You know, he doesn't wait for us to collect ourselves and find our way back, but he comes to meet us. And he finds us when we're in the ditch. And he finds us when we're in the middle of the road. And he finds us when we've been forgotten and lost by everyone else that's been looking for us along the way. But he hits the road and he finds us and then he brings us home. Jesus goes to places that he knows that people won't even listen to him, places he knows that will reject him. Jesus goes all the way to Jerusalem and he knows that he, they were going to kill him. And he goes to places he knows he'll be rejected for one reason, and that is to find us and to bring us home. That's what is at stake when Jesus hits the road. So when the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Luke 9, 51. There came a, an important point in time where Jesus knew it was time, and it was time to go. We get, for the first nine chapters of Luke's gospel, we get over, over two years of time that's passed. And now it's the time where Jesus' life, he knows it's coming to an end, and he's headed to Jerusalem. So we have this great 
string of chapters in the middle of Luke's gospel that we sometimes refer to as the travel narrative. Uh, but for our purposes this summer, we're calling this On the Road with Jesus. Uh, some of you are going to be on the road this summer. Some of you have already been on the road this summer. Summer is a time for travel. It's a time where the great American road trip is always a possibility. Even the ones we don't plan, there'll be phone calls that we made. They'll be like, hey, you want to run with me? I'm going to go here and I'm going to go there and we you know, won't be back. Some of you, it's well-planned out to the mile. You know where you're stopping. Some of the rest of us, we don't have any idea where we're staying tonight. We're just going to go. We got the day off tomorrow or it rained for you farmers, you know, and, and it's like, hey, we got some time. Let's go do something. And uh, so that's, it's a great time of year to think about that. But Jesus is very intentional, of course, but in his ministry and in his teaching on the road, it kind of takes on a little different quality. I think there are things that we learn on the road that are hard for us to learn sitting in a classroom or hard for us to learn even sometimes sitting in a synagogue or in a church. And so Jesus here with his face set to Jerusalem, he is, he's going to fulfill his mission. He's going to make it to Jerusalem. And it's the mission, what's at stake is our salvation. That's that's why he must go, and that's why he chooses to go, and that's why at every point along the way where he has a chance to get off the road, that he doesn't, and he stays on the road, and he goes to Jerusalem so that he can bring us home. Jesus, along the way, uh, he inter- has all these interactions with the crowd, and I love that in, in Jesus' conversation with the crowd, well, when he's on the road, he's always inviting the crowd to become disciples. So he doesn't, he doesn't label them and say, oh, y'all are just the uncommitted crowd. Y'all are just out here. You know, you just want me to take care of you, feed you, whatever. But he, he opens the door and he says, hey, I want all of you guys uh, to be disciples. This is an extension of this invitation. I've got my 12, I've got the inner three, and I've got this group that's following me, but we are not a complete number yet. And we want, we want anybody that wants to find life in this way to follow me and let's go. So, The text goes along, and Jesus sent messengers ahead of him who went and entered the village of the Samaritans to make preparations for him. But the people did not receive him because his face was set towards Jerusalem. Now, again, one of the things I love about Jesus is that he doesn't bypass Samaria. That The the more direct route would have been to go around uh, this Samaritan area, but Jesus went uh, because he has them in mind. He knows they're in a strange group. He knows there's warring between the Samaritans and Jews. And he knows everyone else is going to be saying, gosh, Jesus, that's not somewhere you want to go. That's not somewhere you want to waste your time. You know, I mean, I hate to always pick on Snyder, but if you grew up in Sweetwater, it's like, why? you know, if there was any way to drive to Lubbock without going through Snyder, you would do it just because it would just be, you would choose that. Why would you bother? Uh, and you're thinking, Jesus, if you could spend your time or whatever ministry you could spend your time, like if we could avoid Snyder, that'd be great. Um, and that's, you know, on a much, much more serious and deep level, uh, they could not stand each other. And so for Jesus initially to go through Samaria was just a huge thing and very instructive. And so as usual, when Jesus is trying to teach us, uh, his close disciples. Now, these are the one, these are not just Johnny come lately. These are the ones that have been with him all the way. They've been with him on the mountain of transfiguration just recently. They've had this great epiphany. They've seen this Moses and Elijah character. They heard the voice of God say, this is my son, uh, my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Listen to him. He has the words of truth and life. Like you don't want to miss whatever he says. And so what do these same disciples do when Jesus goes to Samaria and they reject him as he knew they would? Uh, They come in and they say, all right, Jesus. We're with you, man. And just to show that we're with you, is it okay if we call down fire from heaven 
and we just smoke them? Can we just, you know, napalm? Can we get rid of this group of people that we hate and you hate? See, they don't even listen to you. You took your time out of your busy schedule and you went over there and you told them the gospel and they said, no, thanks. It's time. The world would be a better place if we just eliminated them. And Jesus, of course, sets them straight really quickly. And he says, no, that's not. I know, I know there are stories like that. And I know I told you, you know, I have similar things to Elijah, but I'm, I'm, I'm new. You know, I'm the fulfillment of all the Old Testament prophets. And, and here I go. So he's, he's setting them straight. And I love this part of the story because it, make, it reminds me that we're not alone when we stumble. You know, we goof up and we say, oh, that's what we thought Jesus wanted us to do. We thought he wanted us to go over here and do this. And we realize looking back, we go, oh, man. I mean, I look at college, Ryan, and trying to learn to follow Jesus and how clumsy I was. And I think, man, I'm so thankful that I didn't, Jesus didn't just let me, you know, he didn't kick me off the road, uh, but he didn't just let me stay where I was. He said, hey, you gotta, you're going to have to be on the road with me a little longer before you figure out what this is about, because you're, you're very misguided um, and uh, you got some room to grow. So I love that about Jesus. So he sets them straight. He has patience with them, you know, and, and then they get back on the road together. They go to another village. And as they're going along the road, there are these three people. We don't get their names. We don't know anything about them, but there are people that are following Jesus and there are people on the road and they ask Jesus this set of questions. I love the first one. The, the person says, Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. And just, you know, it's this young, energetic, you can imagine a, a zealous person. Maybe they weren't young at all. Maybe they were old. We don't know. But they were zealous. They said, Jesus, I've found life in you. I'm going to follow you wherever you go. And Jesus, in his own beautiful way, and again, this is Jesus, who was the son of Joseph, was a son of a carpenter. Jesus knew how to build a house, presumably. And this is the carpenter, the son of the carpenter, that's out on the road, and he says, you know, this guy says, I'll follow you wherever you're going to go. And Jesus said, foxes have holes and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. I'm a son of a carpenter. Foxes have their holes. Birds have nests, but I don't have a house. I'm homeless. And it shows them again that this is going to be a difficult journey. Now, they weren't always sleeping under the stars. I mean, they depended on the hospitality of other people. And uh, they worked and they did their things, but it was a difficult journey. It was a difficult journey. Being at church camp this week with some of our church members serving, it was just a reminder of what life is not usually like. You know, you're out there when things are different and you learn things when you're on the road, when you're out and you meet challenges that you don't learn otherwise. So another person comes along and Jesus says, okay, we got people here saying they'll follow me wherever I go. Now you follow me. And this person says, well, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus says, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. This is, seems like a strange thing because burial customs were very important in ancient Israel and very important uh, in Second Temple Judaism. And it was very important to fulfill your obligation to your family. So if you were still living, your father was still living, there was this whole idea that to say, I must go home and bury my father, man, I must fulfill my obligation to my family before I follow you. You know, we have land over here. and We have this community over here. I can't follow you, Jesus, because I have to stay here until my father dies and take care of him. And, uh, and then I have to bury him. Then I have to take care of the rest of the family. And so it was just an objection saying, I would love to follow you, but 
my life is busy and I have things I have to tend to and I can't really follow you right now. And Jesus says, let the dead bury their own dead. You know, it's, there's some urgency here. Uh, he's not shooting down the importance of family, but he's saying there's a new allegiance. The kingdom of God is at hand and things are going to change. So if you want to follow me, you have to leave behind your primary allegiances and you have to be willing to embrace the kingdom of God as a primary allegiance. And then, of course, we'll take care of your family uh, as well. And yet another person said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those in my home. It's the same kind of thing. It's the normal thing. Even the Old Testament prophets, you know, when Elijah and Elisha had their thing, and there was time to go back and tell the family goodbye and get things in order. But things have changed. The kingdom of God is at hand. And Jesus said, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. We are meant to see here what many of you know and many of you would have learned growing up. You don't have to have been a farmer to know this, but if you've ever mowed a yard with a push mower, uh, some of you mowed a yard with a real mower, or you've ever done anything, you shredded, you've done something where you know you had to keep a row straight. I know GPS kind of makes this not as much fun now to talk about, but uh, you know, all of us, we learned how to drive a tractor. We learned how to plow. We learned how to do those things. We, it was very tempting to want to look behind you and see what's happening. You know, and you kind of have to do both. But all we all know that if I try to walk in a straight line down the center aisle here and I'm looking over my shoulder back at the screen, I will run into one of you. I will hurt both of us and uh, it will get ugly really quickly. So the, basically, he's just saying, look, you can't you know, you can't spend your life looking back over your shoulder if you want to follow Jesus in the kingdom of God. This is not going to work. And, and it's, it's a very liberating thing to hear, uh, but it's hard for us to move our head back and focus, you know, our, our, we're, we're so used to looking back. We're so used to wanting to keep our hands in the past. And Jesus is saying, this is a new frontier. This is something that's going to be uh, new pathways. It's going to be a new kind of freedom, uh, but it's, it's going to take, you got to keep your head straight ahead. We, we got to move forward. I don't know what your objections are to following Jesus. I can make a list of mine. Uh, and as I read these, these objections and read this story, I can just see a pattern. It's, and it, the pattern is, oh, that's a great idea, Lord, but first let me do this, right? Oh, that's great, and I would love to do that, but first let me make this one last phone call. Let me do this one last thing. Let me do this one last thing. I'm the, wor I'm the world's worst at that. I'm going to cram one more thing in before I get to what's really at hand. But maybe some of you artists out there, some of you people who are a little better at being present in the moment are able to see this a little more easily that sometimes you just got to let that stuff drop and you got to realize the gift that's in front of you. But I think for all of us, it is a difficult discipline uh, to when we say yes, to to want to move towards Jesus and to not bring all of our objections with us. So I think Jesus obviously can handle our objections and, and it's good for us to just consider, you know, what are my top three objections to following Jesus in Nolan County in 2022. What are my, what are the big, you know, what are the three things that maybe keep me from following Jesus? And I think we could come up with a good list and some good conversation. And I think Jesus would continue to invite us and continue to challenge us, continue to welcome us on the road as we find our way forward. One of the great things about Luke's storytelling is we don't know how person A, person B, or person C responded. We have no idea if they turned and said, well, in that case, adios, or if they turned and said, you know, Jesus, I see what you're talking about, and I see what you mean by the kingdom of God, and I'm in. Never mind what I said about my objection, I'm in. 
Uh, you know, I'm ready for this. Uh, and then we don't know how many people left, and then they came back later, you know, like we tend to do. So I think Luke does it this way. He doesn't tell us the whole rest of the story because he wants us to step into the story. He wants us to step in and say, okay, what are my objections? And do I hear Jesus saying, follow me? And can I see my objection in these three objections? And can I find the grace to step towards Jesus and say, okay, Jesus, I'm on the road with you. So how will you and I respond? How will we as a church respond? When it's time to follow Jesus, when the kingdom of God is at hand, uh, where will we go? What things will we leave behind for the sake of Christ, for the sake of his love for the world? What will those things be for us even this summer? I want to close with a quote from Augustine's Confessions. And um, this is one that really reminds me, that helps me keep things together in how this whole economy works. I don't know about y'all, but I'm a person that tends to be hard on myself. If when I find myself looking at these objections, and I, then I, just, I can start chipping away at my own you know, self and say, oh, I'm just sorry, and I'm just not doing this right, and blah, blah, and I've got to try harder. I got to try harder. I got to try harder. That's my worst. Uh, so if, if any of you are like that, well, you know, welcome to the club. But uh, this is, Augustine reminds me, reminds us, and he's really, he's really quoting, he's paraphrasing Jesus uh, and saying what it's like to follow Jesus because the energy and the joy, the life that is infused in us for the journey of discipleship does not come from our own try hard. Uh, our own will and our own try hard comes into play. But the initial call, the initial welcome, the initial energy for us to follow Jesus, it comes from Jesus. And Jesus reminds us of this when he says, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you what? I will give you rest. Right? You, will, you will carry a burden, but it will be a light burden. Uh, it, it, my yoke is easy, Jesus says, and my burden is light. It sounds like a paradox. And it kind of is in the kingdom of God that we take on a burden. We yoke ourselves to the wagon of following Jesus. And then we find life in the midst of that. So Augustine says, oh, the twisted roads that I walked. Then a great journey tie in. Oh, the twisted roads that I walked. But look, Jesus, you're here freeing us from our unhappy wandering, setting us firmly on your track, comforting us and saying, run the race. I'll carry you. Run the race. I'll carry you. I'll carry you clear to the end. And even at the end, I will carry you and I will bring you home. May we find the grace today uh, to run, to run this race, to follow Jesus, to get on the road. And may we find that when we stand up and put that volition forth, that Jesus is already holding us. He's the one carrying us, and he has the ability to bring us home. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen.